Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome to another episode of the No Ceilings Podcast. I am Tyler Metcalf, joined as always by Tyler Rucker. Rucker, how are we doing? Metcalf, doing good. You know, life life is good. Um, we took a week off last week. We had a we had to celebrate the holidays. So I hope everyone missed us because we all missed you. How about yourself, Metcalf? How are we doing? I am fantastic. Uh, you know, just mi- Michigan embarrassing Ohio-, Ohio State again for back-to-back seasons. Phenomenal feeling. I mean, uh, we didn't get 40 seconds into the show before that draft. I mean, absolutely. you were you were waiting. Just, you were locked and loaded. I've just been that. running up and down the streets in Minnesota, and people are like, why is this kid screaming about Michigan? Like, wrong state, bud. But, you know, it, you, you got to celebrate them when you get them, especially when they're that dominant. Oof. Um, side note, I saw someone changed um, – the owner of Ohio State football on Wikipedia to Donovan Edwards. So that's just delightful. Um, God, Ryan Day, what a fraud. God, you thought Mel Tucker was a fraud of a coach? Look at Ryan Day. Look at this bum. Oh, God, okay. Well, now that all <laughs> introducing of, oh, the college football <laughs> show for um, no ceilings. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, now that every Ohio State fan has tuned out. Um, no, I, I'm fantastic. Just Thanksgiving was a blast. I, you know, just cooked the whole feast. It was delightful. Had one might say I had a few too many bottles of wine, but who's to judge? We took the week off. It felt weird. We're back. You know, we're, we're we we got two episodes coming this week. So Thursday, Friday is both of us. We're making up for last week. Um, but now that we're basically a quarter of the way through the season, uh, we kind of wanted to revisit where or who some of the biggest movers on our draft boards have been um, based on our preseason uh, rankings. Obviously, college and high school play are very different levels of competition, and one with that brings a whole lot of movement with these boards. Um, overall, big picture with your board, have you found yourself moving guys a lot? Have just minor adjustments here and there, waiting and seeing, or are you just kind of taking it as it comes? Um, I would say a little bit of both. Um, you know, that this is as Metcalf's kind of hinting on, this is where we're gonna start getting really exciting for all the listeners. This is the time of the year where it's like, okay, here we go. Let's let's buckle up, let's really get after it. And I know we got some good episodes and ideas, you know, in the works for the future, but you know, now you get to really talk about movement and who's impressed and who's really making a statement in the college basketball world. And I I feel like there's a lot of names I'm adding to my board. There's a lot of names I'm moving very high on my board that, you know, I started out the season, had a much lower. And now I'm like, okay, they really hit the ground running. There's some guys that, you know, I'm still waiting for them to, to find that next gear. Some guys that I'm, we're still in wait and see mode with a lot. And, And there's just, obviously there's some incoming freshmen that I think have gotten out to a slow start, but that's expected. We've been talking about that all preseason. We've been saying, Hey, we have these rankings. We have these preseason big boards. There's going to be a lot of guys that do not hit the ground running, and it, it just happens every year. So, um, how about yourself? Are you have you been moving a lot, Metcalf, with your board, or are you just kind of tinkering? Um, I, I try to be less reactionary about it, so I try to keep it to just kind of minor tinkering after you know each game. Um, but there have been some pretty drastic movers where a lot of things early on are like, you know, I, I, I want to be patient with these guys and I really try to be patient, but some of them early on, it's, it's been a struggle and, or it's been a complete breakout. And it's like, Oh my God. Okay. This feels real now, now that we're, you know, seven, eight, nine games in and it's consistent production at a really high level. It's like, Oh, this is exciting and not what I anticipated. So there are of course some outliers where there've been really big movements. Um, but, I really try to just keep it to small adjustments here and there because I I don't want to be overcome with just a great game or an awful game. That's why, you know, just even guys who I didn't get to as much during the regular season, when we get to the end of the season and I go back and revisit, I try and avoid those 
outlier box outlier box score games where you know yeah okay so this game he put up 40 and 10 awesome i bet that's gonna be a lot of fun to watch but that's not really who he was all season so i i try to be less reactionary about it but there's only so long i can hold out yeah i i feel with most of the big name guys that we're going to probably talk about in this episode that have gotten off to slow starts, I feel like that's the, those are the names that I will tinker with my rankings a little bit because I'm not, I'm not ready to, you know, let all of my stock go when it comes to those guys. Cause some guys, you know, all of a sudden it takes that 14th game of the year where it's like, Oh, there's the light switch. It, it, it finally came on. And, um, you know, a lot of these guys I'm talking about like moving up a, a big amount, it's because you were wondering if they were going to be ready to roll when the season started. And there's got, there's been some guys that I've been very impressed with how they're starting to play lately. And um, it's an exciting time, but I'm right there with you. I don't, I don't like to overreact too much. I, I like to be the guy that's like, Hey, let's calm down. You know, woo-saw like let's, let's breathe a little bit. It's, it's the eighth game of the year for some of these teams. Some teams have only played seven and um, we got a long way to go. Like you said, we're almost a, a quarter of the way in and, lot of basketball, a lot of names getting thrown out there. A lot of people excited to say they were first. I don't want to go into detail about that. That's not my fight, but Hey, we're partying. We're having fun. And, and, you know, no ceilings NBA draft show with Tyler Metcalf. What's better than that? Where do you want to start? Hit me with it. Um, Oh God, where to? All right. Yeah. I'll go first. And, and I, I want to start on a positive note. So, okay. So we're talking moving guys moving up and guys moving down for everyone. That's not following us because I went on a little rant there. Um, Moving up and moving down. That's what we're we're talking about. Yep. So big movers, not guys. We've moved up like three spots because next week they may be down three spots. Who cares? I'm talking about guys who we've kind of adjusted significantly into basically different tiers. Um, The first one that I want to talk about is Anthony Black. Um, Ooh, I like where this episode's going already. Bless your heart. I knew, (laughs) you know, it takes a man to put his feet down and say, you know, I was wrong. And and here we are, Metcalf. You get to, you get to have that moment with this day. What a, what a glorious episode this is history folks. Yeah. So, you know, I, I I think for a while I was probably one of the lower people on black, uh, especially among the no ceilings group. Um, the, kind of pre-college stuff, uh, mainly the FIBA stuff, I was hesitant to buy in on. It was impressive. It was also against just awful competition and athleticism. Um, Then the first couple games of the year, he looked looked bad. Yeah, Like, there was some good defense, but the offense was awful. He was timid. He didn't look for a shot. He couldn't get to the rim. The passing was fine, but since he wasn't a threat to score, he didn't really create anything for anyone else. I at one point had dropped him to like the mid thirties. Um, he's back up into the, like, you know, fringe lottery for me now though. Um, the, what he showed in Maui, he was aggressive. He was dynamic off the dribble. He was hunting the shots at the rim. Um, I'm still not buying the shot. He still doesn't look super confident in it, but the overall, his overall approach, it was complete night and day to the first couple games of the season where he was deferring basically everything and he took over this team and was like this is my team i am getting my bucket i'm setting up teammates i'm playing really in your face defense i thought he has been incredibly impressive yeah i'm right there with you um you know he's been sensational um his first three games of the year he averaged six points total yeah yeah. Um, his last four games, he's up to 20.3 points, 5.5 rebounds, 4.0 assists, 1.8 steals, shooting splits of 56, 42, 80. He is smoking, folks. He is literally, that is, and this is my favorite part of those, you know, if you want to call them tournaments or invitationals or whatever terminology you want to use, but it feels like that's the confidence builder for a lot of prospects. I mean, we saw it with Anthony Edwards when he went to Maui, all of a sudden it was like, Whoa, who's, who's this guy? He he looks unstoppable out there. And then Anthony black was sensational in those. A couple of guys that I think we might mention in this episode during the Phil Knight and invitational just really started to come into their own. And it's exciting. You, you, You see these, 
young players kind of get their feet wet, feet wet, and they're like, okay, I'm a college basketball player. And then all of a sudden, it's just snap of a finger, the light comes on, and we get to all watch the confidence just oozing out of them. And I've I've loved what I've seen. I think now we're on the path of him becoming a real serious prospect if he's not already. I mean, I'm right there with you. I need to see a lot more of the shot on a consistent level, but some of the playmaking flashes he's shown, some of the decisions he's made, um, one of those Maui games, if anyone hasn't watched, I mean, go just go watch him as a playmaker. My goodness, some of the reads he had. So he's got, he's got skills. I'm just trying to – the rest of the year I want to gauge where do I think – his next like what is his ceiling yes no ceiling but what is his potential are we thinking this is a franchise point guard or is this a guy that's going to be a just a heck of a asset on your roster so that that's exactly where i wanted to kind of pivot the anthony black conversation i have no idea what he is um in college i, I kind of, yeah I, I kind of expect him to continue dominating like this because he's so much bigger than a lot of the guys who are guarding him. And he just does a really good job of leveraging his size and getting to the rim and using change of pace. Um, I think he's just a fine athlete. I don't think he's anything special, but he looks a little better than I initially thought. Um, I still worry about how that game and that play style translates to the NBA when he's being guarded against guys his size who are better if or the same level of athlete um, with more experience. And I'm not sure that he's able to generate that same or that he will be able to generate that same level of rim pressure um, in the NBA because so much of it right now is based on how much bigger that he is than the guys he's going against. So do you think he's going to be one of these like wing connectors where he's he's moving the ball he's cutting he's playing a little more off ball or do you think he his kind of best you know highest potential is at that kind of full-time point guard role it's i mean it's a tough one um it's really strange because i'm gonna i'm gonna say something stupid so oh my favorite yeah i like to you know warn the crowd that you know I'm, i'm ready to say something stupid I feel like with what Tyrese Halliburton is doing right now in the NBA. Oh, no. No, I'm saying I think you have to almost hope that that's the type of gadget player you're getting, like the bigger guy that he can take the ball and be a a ball handler if you need to, but I think you could play him off the ball. His His playmaking makes him so special. His vision, he makes everybody on the court better. And, and I'm not saying he is Halliburton because yeah. Halliburton's one of my favorite prospects I've ever evaluated in my life. Um, but I'm not saying I'm saying that idea of a combo guard that can be a connecting piece that when he's on the court, everybody else is better because he has the vision to put people in positions to succeed. And, you know, Halliburton as a prospect, everyone was really skeptical about the shot looks pretty good right now. And, and I don't, I I want this to not sound bad. I don't think he's going to be a franchise point guard. Yeah. I think he's going to be an unbelievable connecting piece if he goes to the right place. And and I, in a weird way, I think that is a better outcome for him because I don't know if I trust him to give him the ball and be like, you're running the offense every single night, all game long, because he's just not there yet as, as a, as when it comes to his athleticism, his quickness and, you know, putting guys like Marcus Smart on him all game. No, it's not going to happen, but he's a smart player. If you put him with some another guard and, and you guys can kind of play them together, I think then you have something special in your backcourt. And I don't, I know I threw Halliburton's name out there, but that's the idea I'm trying to express. And if, yeah, if so- I failed, you could tell me that. I'm fine with it. I, the, 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 the tough part, I, I, I get where you're going with it. Um, yeah, so- and just a little crazy. The 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 player that kind of comes to mind when you talk about like that gadgety do a little bit of everything type player, um, I, I think more like Kyle Anderson, uh, like yeah, a, they, a, a, okay. more, a more athletic Kyle Anderson. Um, I just because if he's if you have Black running the point in the NBA, I'm not saying that he can't. Um, 
I, I the shot has to make some serious strides between now and then. Um, and I worry that it is capable of doing so. Um, you know, I, I'm not a shot doctor. I have no idea what the glaring or the big issues are with it. The biggest thing that I see is that he doesn't want to take them. Um, he's taken a couple wide open catch and shoots. He'll take some, you know, pull-ups later in the clock, but he is rarely looking at the rim when the ball swings to him and he's looking to either move it or attack off the dribble in college. Awesome. I, you know, those, those aren't necessarily bad habits, but it tells me that he's not confident in his shot. And if that outside shot isn't just at an average level, that's all it needs to be. I worry about how much he can really be that primary initiator um, and how kind of detrimental that could be to his long-term outcome. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I know I'm throwing out that name, but it's the first name I'm thinking of where it's like now, now Halliburton's turned into a unbelievable star in the league and, and he's playing outstanding basketball. I think I haven't checked the updated stats, but he's leading the league in assists. So I'm, I'm, I'm throwing a huge name out there. I understand that, but I'm saying early on the idea of Halliburton was a connecting piece. But like you said, Metcalf, the difference between those two, one of the guys was very confident to shoot the outside shot in college. Um, we're going to have to wait and see when it comes to Anthony Black, but he's on the right path. And all it takes is, you know, a couple of games for everything to switch. But I think he was 25% in his first three games from three. And now all of a sudden he's, you know, above 40. So he's red hot, but we need to see if that can that can keep up. Yeah, and I'm, I'm fascinated to see how he kind of continues to alter his game uh, as Nick Smith gets reintegrated back into the team. Yes. Um, that'll, I, I think that addition is going to be huge for that team's offense. Um, but who, who, who is uh, the first name that you had on your list? Um, for my moving up, I got to give some love. Um, Asar Thompson um, got the chance to go scout the overtime elite. Oh, what was it last week? Gosh, everything's blurring together. And I was just, I was very excited to get a live look at a man and Asar. And, and I just left, moving Asar up a lot and I've been intrigued with him and excited about him as a prospect this whole year but I I'm getting into that top six range right now with him um I was very very pleased with what with what I saw from him he just plays the game like a guy that I I think teams are going to really really be fascinated with his skills and I want to say Amen blew me away too. I was very, very like impressed, but I think it's two different levels of, you know, uniqueness with both of them. Like everyone's going to call them the Thompson twins and like, Oh, blah, 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 blah. One can't shoot one. Or they both can't shoot. One's less of a shooter. And I was like, I came away very, very impressed with the Sar Thompson. Um, I just, not, me and Corey, I think are kind of, thinking about doing a piece together where we're going to combine those guys. But um, just when it comes to the star, like he just played the game poised. I like how he handled himself. I, I think the shot, I, I understand what Corey was telling us about when we did that overtime elite pro day recap. I understand what he's saying with that shot. That shot is looking good. And it's funny because in warmups, he's really detailed on fixing it. And then the game start, and it was almost like a, it bugged me how like much he was trying to fix it. Like it was a little slower and I was like, okay, is that going to be a release in the game? It, expand on that. Like what, what, what specifically was he doing? It's just like catch. And like, you could tell he's trying to robotically like do the same thing each time, but it's taking away from that natural like shooting rhythm. So it's like almost, he's like, it just bugs me sometimes. Cause you can tell he's thinking about it every time, so he's, which he's going like step one, step two, step yeah, three, step which it sometimes is a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. Cause the guy could be thinking too much, but right. The game started. And I think his first shot catch and shoot three, and it was lightning quick and I, and nothing but net. And I was like, okay, here we go. So I was like, okay, he's putting in the time he's taking it serious. And just watching the feel for the game on both sides of the ball. I thought he was just fantastic. So, um, Really, really excited to, to keep watching him throughout the year. He's off to a great start. I, I think I posted today on um, the No Ceiling Twitter account. He's shooting 42.9% from three in his first four games. I mean, it was a number I was like, my goodness. So, and I don't care if it's one or two off or the 
stats are a little juice. That's still up there. Um, so yeah, Metcalf, I, I had to go on a little rant there because I'm too excited about it. And as I said before, his, his brother impressed me as well. It's just two different players. Yeah, no, I, I, gonna queue you up for another round here because yeah. asar is a guy who i i haven't revisited in the last couple weeks and mm-hmm. you know he's top of my list to do so um but god there are just so many goddamn college games i know um so i i just want to get a little more kind of insight and takeaways from yeah. your in-person experience because you know we we think that that's a super valuable learning tool so he's obviously a little more of an off-ball wing did you come away more impressed on how that will translate to the NBA? Do you think there's a little more on-ball potential there? Or do you think that being that off-ball scorer and kind of connector and secondary or tertiary playmaker is like his, you know, most favorable outcome? The off-ball, he he looks like a natural player on the court because he can do, that's what, the versatility with us are really, really popped when I was watching in person. Because off the ball, I still felt he was on the court because he moves. He understands where to to find lapses in the defense. And he's also just fantastic when it's transition. Like he knows where people where his teammates are, where the where's the look ahead, where to hit people going. I thought he was great off the ball defensively when it came to just like understanding when to when to gamble, when people, you know, where there's an opening to attack and um a man is so gifted as a passer. He needs the ball in his hand. He has to have a ball in his hand. And, and it's not a dig against him. He's just, he's the playmaking guy. And he had some passes that I was like, oh my gosh, just from seeing the floor ahead. But he's going to have to have the ball in his hands a lot. And Asar, I felt he can understand how to move with the balls not in his hand it just felt natural watching him on the court and and then i kind of got that vibe where it was like okay i'm still trying to figure out what am i supposed to do away from the ball and mm-hmm. asar's got he's got confidence right now shooting away from the ball he can catch a shoot and put it up right away like there's no hesitation and i i just felt and this is what i felt the whole time and we've talked about that on that overtime elite episode with Corey. we were saying a man's going to have to go somewhere that they're going to give him the ball. Yeah. And, and I, I really do feel like Asar could have a more natural transition just because he knows kind of how to, to do the multiple aspects of the game where it's like, okay, I can, I can have the ball in my hand. And he's showcased in that game that I watched, like he's fine with it. He makes the right reads. He understands, you know, how to get the ball ahead where people are going to have wide open lanes. And, um, they're both just fantastic talents. Like I went in there a little skeptical of like all the hype they were getting. Cause I do that mm-hmm. with everyone. And I left there and I was like, it's well worth it. Just it's a lot closer than people are thinking right now. Did I answer yeah, the question I, or do you need some yeah, more? No, I, I, feed me ab- the juice. Absolutely. No, no. And that, that just kind of goes along with what we've been saying kind of about both of them for a while now, where we see a man probably having the higher absolute ceiling where, you know, his 99th percentile outcome is higher than Asar's, but his range of outcomes is probably also wider than Asar's. And a lot of that goes into that on ball comfort level where, you know, they, they've been pretty open about it where a man grew up being more of the point guard and Asar played off ball. And, you know, those are two very different skill sets and to really drastically shift between one to the other, that's a really big learning curve. And if that, that range of outcomes um, or the, the likelihood that Asari hits that quality role player level, you know, at a minimum, I'm talking, you know, minimum um, it, it feels like that's a little safer for him because the shot is really taking steps in the right direction. He does learn, know how to, he's already comfortable moving off ball and playing that off ball defense. And, a man, if that on ball doesn't really click and if he's really not performing at a high level with the shot and really being able to generate the rim pressure um, and playmaking, that's tough to then pivot out of that to more of an off ball role. So it'll just be fascinating how their seasons kind of continue down that line. Yeah. I mean, uh, everyone loves hot takes. I'll, I'll give a hot take. So I think a man will be drafted first. Yeah. Like, 
before comparing the twins. I'm not saying first overall. I'm just saying comparing wow. the twins. A man over Victor. Yeah, That's exactly. <laughs> That's my moving down is Victor <laughs> Wimanyama. Um, I think Amen Thompson will get drafted before Sar. But if I was in a front office, I would be banging the table to draft Asar Thompson because I think there's a lot of really good skills developing. And that shot looks like it's on the right path in a hurry. And you're going to get a complete two-way guard or two-way wing, whatever you want to say. And, and, and I thought defensively, he's got the chops to be a, a pest. Yeah. So there's just a lot that I left there like, okay, there's – there's a lot here like this is, and I had Asar probably around that 10 to 12 range. So like I, I left there like, Whoa, what am I thinking? Like, let's move him up. Like I was just like, so there you go. I, I need to get away from this conversation before I get people scared. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I, I'll go with my next one. Do we want to stay on the positive track or do you want me to be a Debbie Downer? Um, Let's do, let's let's go one of each. So be be a Debbie Downer because we can't. Everyone's gonna hear the positive and just turn it off. <laughs> I know everyone listening. I know your tricks. Okay. Well, this one personally hurts me um, because I was super high on him coming out of high school. Uh, hyped him up a lot last year, and I'm not out on him by any means. But he's fallen down, you know, a, a tier or two, and that's Arthur Kluma. Um, wow. I had him as a honorable mention. So we're really going to have some, I feel like we need to play Marvin's room by Drake in the background right now. We're going to be deep in our feelings. It's tough. Are we thinking this is a struggle or are we thinking, is this a turnaround or is this a DEFCON four? It, it feels like he's forcing everything right now. Um, so I, I I do think there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I think there's a way out of this, and he just kind of needs to simplify his game. Um, a lot of it feels like the outside shot isn't falling, and that takes away a lot of his kind of driving ability. Um, I, I I think he's a really good at-rim finisher. I think he handles contact well. Um but a lot of his driving opportunities come from the threat of the outside shot. And if the shot isn't there, a lot of that kind of gets closed up. It's not there right now. And it looks like he's forcing shots. It looks like he's just kind of barreling through guys at the rim and being inefficient on offense. Um, it, it, it almost looks a little like he heard a lot of the preseason hype and it's not going in that direction and he just needs to take a deep breath, simplify his game. And once he gets in that rhythm, I do think there's a lot there to really kind of kickstart what, you know, both of us saw coming into this year and get him back on that track that he ended last season with. Yeah. I mean, he, he averaged, he averaged 10, five, one, and shot 44, 26, 67 last year. But everyone started getting really pumped on him because of the end of the season play. He was just another person. Now he's at 12, 5, 1, shooting splits of 43, 30, 68. The problem is, is we it's it's a it's an improvement but it, it's it's not the leap we all wanted it's not the all the leap we were all expecting you know like we were hoping that he's you know his struggle would be 35 percent from three right now and it's just i'm right there with you i i think it's a guy that got a lot of hype a lot of buzz and heard it and sometimes that's dangerous when you keep getting told how good of a year you're gonna have and then all of a sudden you get out there and all of a sudden things aren't clicking the way you're expected. And you, and you learn a lot about a prospect too, when you're evaluating them that. So I'm excited as ever to watch him moving forward because we're going to find out a lot about Arthur Kaluma. I mean, it, he's, he's struggling and Creighton's playing good and, and he's struggling to get going. They had that loss, but let's see what he can do. I mean, I'm right there with you. I'm moving him down a little bit. But it's one of those that I talked about at the beginning of the show where I'm like, I'm not selling yet. Yep. I'm not selling okay. yet. I'm just, you know, 
talking to my accountant saying, are we okay? Or if I just keep this, but yeah, looks like a guy that's pushing the, the issue or trying to force it a little bit too much and just want him to calm down. And, and sometimes all of a sudden it just is a one big game could mm-hmm. turn everything around and be waiting and seeing, and trust me, I'll be, I'll be checking those box scores every day. Like I always do. Yeah. And it'll be fascinating to see how he kind of plays himself out of this rut. Right. Um, because, because that, that tells you a lot about a player and their kind of mental fortitude and what their teammates and their coaching staff thinks of them as a player, because if he keeps getting these minutes and I'm assuming he will, it'd be really shocking if he got relegated to a lesser role, um, especially given what that Creighton bench looks like, they're fine. But that starting five is really where all of their, or the vast majority of their production comes from. It'll tell you a lot about what he thinks of himself, what his teammates think of him and what his coaching staff thinks of him. Um, Cause this Creighton team's really good. They are loaded in that starting five and i kind of expect them to run away with the big east he should be a part of their national title run if he gets back to the you know the player that he ended last season as and the player that we think he could be if he doesn't they might just be uh you know a really good regular season team who makes it to you know maybe the second weekend and that's the problem when you got a wagon of a team. You know, when your shot's not falling, somebody else's is going to be falling, and, and you're going to feed the hot hand, and um, that just happens. But he he's, like you're saying, they're going to have a tough team all year. He's just got to figure it out and kind of relax a little bit, find his groove, and, you know, maybe he's trying to be a guy that's putting up 20 a night. Maybe that's not who Arthur Kaluma is right now, and he needs to realize that and just efficiency. That's where you can really turn it around Just be like, okay, be efficient. Don't force it. Don't just look to get yours when you feel like you've got a score, just be efficient. So I'm right there with you. I I think it'll be fine, but he's definitely a guy that I'm nervous. Every time I look at his name, I'm like, come on, Arthur, need you, need you, bud. Come on. We believe. All right. Who do you have next? You know, Metcalf, you you look like you've had a long day. For everyone that's not watching, Always. you you look like you the compliment. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you look like you've been working hard. So I'm gonna make your night. Taron Armstrong is skyrocketing up my board. I'm back, baby. We are back, Cal Baptist basketball. Yes. Let's go. Um, I've loved what I've seen from Taron Armstrong, and I don't care if he doesn't get. I'm back in the movement. We we tried to push the movement. I'm back for year two. Let's let's party. I, I've loved what I've seen. And why not? I mean, wh- why is he not? I feel like we got to be believing in higher, right? By taking like, crazy pills? I have no that, fucking clue. I mean, come on. What else do we need from this guy? I mean, I don't know. I just wanted to get you excited. So if you want to go on the rant, I'll, I'll let you have it right now. But I, I think he's been fantastic. I'm really excited about what he's going to do the rest of this year. Yeah, and I've I, I was tempted to put him on my list, but I'm like, yeah, he's been in my first round all season. That doesn't really qualify. It's like, ooh, moved him up from 27 to 24. Ooh, big mover. No, th- this dude just fucking rocks. He's so goddamn good at basketball, and for some reason, he just never gets the attention or love that he deserves. Um, probably a lot of it has to do with the fact that he plays at Cal Baptist, who you know, it, it isn't the best team on the face of the earth, but he makes everyone on that court better. It is shocking how good of a playmaker he is. Um, I know we went through this last year. That's why he really broke onto the scene in the draft community because he was the best passing point guard. Uh, actually, he was the best passer in the country last season. Uh, that's still the case this season. And the gripe that everyone had with him is that, oh, he can't score. He can't shoot. Um, Well, he's scoring and shooting this year. So where the fuck is the love? Um, I'm in in the near future. I will be writing about him, but it's that case of, okay, this guy is a glaring hole and he returns to school. And because of that glaring hole, everyone forgets about him. Well, he improved in that area. It, the playmaking, the size, you know, the defense, the 
basketball IQ, it's all at an NBA level. So what what is the complaint with it? It drives me crazy. It's the uh Desumu effect. Yeah. We're making up we're making up laws now. I feel like Io went to back to Illinois every year. And every single year it was like, okay, he needs to improve on this. He did it. He needs to improve on his outside shot. He did it. And then he gets drafted late, goes to the NBA. Everyone's like, why does this guy get drafted so late? And it's like, I don't know. Tell us. Why did he? Because every single year he did what he needed to do to get better and improve his quote-unquote weaknesses. Taron Armstrong last year averaged 10.5 points, 5.2 rebounds, 6.3 assists, shooting splits 39-30-64. He's averaging 14.3 points, 6 rebounds, 4.4 assists, 50% from the field, 50% from three. He's six five. How, he how, has, how many attempts? Just to uh, clarify oh yeah, for yeah, this, the go. small sample. Um, Three point one attempts per Perfect. game. That is an in- increase from last year. Yeah, it is. this is what I and this is what I can't stand. Is like we Taron Armstrong was fantastic last year. He got a he got a little bit of a little bit of like a hey. Nice to nice to meet you. My name's Turner Armstrong on some of our draft boards, you know, and the mainstream ones of like, oh, who's this Cal Baptist point guard? Then he calmed down a little bit because he faced some tough opponents. This year, and we were like, okay, he needs to develop an outside shot. He's shown that this year. He's 6'5". He's probably still the best passing guard, maybe player, in college basketball right now. But you're talking 100%. about this year, this year, like, yeah, he's playing at Cal Baptist, but at Washington, he puts up 18, 5, and 6 with two blocks, 5 for 8 from the field. They get a big win on the road. Um, going up against Minnesota, they lose, but he puts up 24, 6, and 2. And all of it was in the second half. 9 of 18 from the field. I mean, I don't care if everyone was like, Minnesota's not as good as they are. It's still going up against tougher competition when it comes to your conference. So I I think Taron Armstrong is absolutely a guy that deserves to get a lot more love. We know how good he is as a passer. We know some of the looks he can make. Uh, I just don't get it. Why, why not? Why not? So there you go. No idea. And I swear to God, if anyone references assist to turnover ratio or a drop in assists, I will lose my goddamn mind. <laughs> I will fucking lose it um please not after seven games please don't hit me with the assist the turnover like give me give me at least 15 games before we have that conversation i'm also waiting for it's coming so i'm i'm waiting for the uh, 40 minute Derek lively stats it's gonna happen someone's gonna hit me with it and i'm like please please don't do it and i think lively had a good game tonight but anyways. good it's about time um yeah and i i don't know what else if he continues doing this throughout the year, obviously he's not going to shoot 50% from three for the season, whatever. If he's at 35, awesome, massive win. I'm, I was in last year. I'm in this year. I don't know what else he really has to do to start getting some goddamn respect, but we love him. Hopefully the rest of the draft community starts loving him quickly too, because what we asked for, he's delivering on and, what else can we, you know, ask for with these guys? Right there with you. All right. Hit me with it. Now give okay. me your, your next positive. Who who are you moving up? This is number two for you. I've yeah. got a SAR and, and Taron, Taron Armstrong skyrocketing up my boards. Who do you got? All right. Um, there are two guys I could go with. Um, I'm going to go with Kyle Filipowski. Um, oh, man, I'm right there with you. He's looked so good. He has a good. Um, I was really confused with him coming into the season because the games, the high school games that I saw, um, he, he was either dominant and the best player on the court by a wide margin or a complete non-factor. And I had no idea what to do with that. His motor and intensity on both ends of the floor has been awesome. Uh, the scoring versatility, the footwork, the defense i i think it's all really good um i love how he moves his feet on defense uh he's a little too upright in this stance but he's seven seven feet seven one 
So there are some physical limitations that come with that. Um, he's just been incredibly impressive and arguably the best player on Duke this year. He has been. Yeah. I was just going to say that. He. I don't care what anyone wants to say about, oh, well, other guys. just. He's been Duke's best player the whole yeah. year. And this is coming from someone I was very low on Filipowski going in the year because I was like, I, I was right there with you. I was very confused. I was like, I, and it was, I think he, I went into this year saying, I think this is a very, very talented basketball player that is going to do damage in college. I don't know if it's going to translate to the next level. That's all I was saying. Like, I was like, I, it wouldn't shock me if he goes to the college and is just the perfect college player because he can shoot. He's got size. He can pass. Got a great feel. And I'm wrong right now because he is, he's fun. Yeah. Cause he, he, he might not have the athleticism and the quickness. The other guy says Kyle Filipowski can play his ass off. And, and his res- shit factor is yes. through the roof. And I respect that. And, and, and that's a guy that, yeah, NBA teams are gonna be like, who cares? We'll figure it out. He can pass and he can shoot. We will figure it out. And, you know, going up against Ohio State tonight, he had 16, 7, 2, and 3 steals on 6 of 11 shooting. I That's mean, didn't take 1-3, which I really love to see because I know he can shoot those, but he probably battled inside. So I'm excited to watch that film. But right there with you, Metcalf. I mean, it was a very confusing guy. And it because we talked about his high school film, his high school film he looked dominant. And I was just like, okay, is this going to have a potential NBA future? Or is this a guy that just kicks the crap out of college? And right now he has been Duke's best player. I didn't mean to cut you off, but. No. Um, so so in, in the NBA, what what do we think he is? Do we think he's like a stretch versatile four, small ball five, just a pure five? Um, I kind of get Laurie Markinen vibes. From yeah. Him. That's and it's not a white thing. Um, no. I hate when people do that. Um, I just don't know because it's 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 just a weird. That's that's why I was confused with him coming into college because although he's got the size for a center, I feel like he's a bit of a tweener, mm-hmm. and tweeners are becoming extinct unless you're like the four that could survive or you're the three that can survive as a four and i feel like the four five tweener is a little bit of a you know what i'm trying to say like i i and i mean draymond's a different story but you know what i'm saying like if if you're going to be the underside or if you're going to be the four that could play five you got to be able to do a lot like you got to be able to defend your ass off and um i just don't know with phil palski it's one of those that's going to keep puzzling me all year and then i'm probably going to have one game where I'm like, okay, I got it. But what do you think? You're, you're, you're into that mad scientist stuff. So are you thinking he's a a center or are we just saying he's a big that can probably survive if he's a four on the court? I, I, yeah, I think it's more that I, I I think his kind of, I would guess that he gets most of his minutes kind of at, you know, the, the quote unquote four, um, you know, a, a little Kevin Love-esque. Um, again, not a white thing. Um, I love that we just named the most white. <laughs> the the two white guys. <laughs> like out of all, it's not a white thing, but what we just named but the here are two most white guys. White guys. <laughs> no, but like, I, I, I think he's... It's not a Nick Collison thing or, you know... I, I, I think playing Luke him Cornette. with, uh, with, with uh, um, you know, a, another center would probably be most beneficial for him. Cause I do think he can move pretty well on the perimeter. Um, I'm not confident yet in his ability to really handle like NBA level physicality in the post and rebounding. Um, you know, he, he fights. I'm just not sure he's necessarily strong enough or has the, has the build um, for it. Uh, Cause that's a brutal job. Um, again, that that's not trying to take away anything from him, but and I, I just think the kind of four is where we'll see most of him. And then he just gives teams a really good options if they want to go, you know, scale down and then go to more of a five out system. And then he could, you know, really dominate in those, um, you know, secondary and tertiary lineups where backups are in, or if the opponents try to go small, he can still be that seven foot center who can still kind of move and 
hold his own on the perimeter and then really punish them on offense. So I, I just think he has a lot of versatility and it could get a little tricky with the lineups and how he's really used at the next level. But I, I do think there are a lot of really creative and smart ways that he can be fully optimized. I don't need a number, but give me a range. On draft board? Yeah. I have him at this 17 a... right now. Okay. Where do you have him? Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm not going to lie to everyone. I don't have my stuff finalized. I've been moving stuff around all day, and I just looked at it again, and I was like, nope, still hate it. So <laughs> um, I'd, have okay. him in the t- I'd have him in the first, and this is a guy that I had him very, very low to start. I had him like in the 50s because I just didn't know if mm-hmm. I saw it as a one and done. And then, Same. you know, I haven't updated everything, but there's also some guys I need to move down. Okay. So just a, a little this or that. So Filipowski or Gigi Jackson. Oh, wow. That's not close for me, but I love you. I have Gigi. Oh, yeah. I, I have very, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. I thought you were trying no. to like, Nope, just just kind of nope, just g- gauging the range. All right, okay. Um, so like Filipowski or Anthony Black, Anthony Black, uh, Filipowski or Casey Wallace, uh, Casey Wallace, Filipowski or Khalil Ware. Now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> um, oh, oh gosh, I hate this. My problem is. I think Khalil Ware has crazy upside, but I mm-hmm. would probably go Filipowski right now. And I, I, I actually haven't thought of that. Those two. So that's a, that's a good debate. The thing with Filipowski is he's shown me a lot more versatility. Ware's shown me some shot blocking, but he is, he's got the J.R. Smith syndrome from outside. He loves to shoot. I mean, he, I think he went two for nine against Michigan state. And I was just like, Man, feels like he shot 18 times. <laughs> but where can shoot? It's just I, I think Filipowski's got a little bit more seasoning with his game right now, where like if he's not scoring, I still know he's gonna make an impact. And um where's just raw. So I would lean Filipowski right now, but that's just because I think where is unfinished. Okay, last one, Filipowski or Derek Lively. Probably the exact same answer. Yeah. I, I lively's he had a good game tonight. I need and him to have four in a row. Thrilled to watch it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm very excited to watch it. But I need him to have like four in a row because I think he's got a lot of the wear. And, it, and I'm that's lively. I'm being patient with because yep. slow start to the year. Please let the light switch come on because the flashes are very fun. I'm very they excited are. about the flashes, but I also can see some very rawness. Yeah, the 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 thing about flashes, I, I really prefer the power to stay on for prolonged periods yeah. of time and not a big flashlight guy no. i like my electricity to stay on yeah all right who's next on your list um i'm taking a turn to negative town correct whatever you feel is no, right. i mean you went you went positive right i did trying to figure out if i want to set the world on fire or do the smart thing why are they not the same thing? Because I sometimes like to introduce a little bit of anarchy. I'll do the smart thing. I got to move him down, Metcalf. Chris Livingston. I'll he is on my down. list, too. Um, I, just, I just have to because I think it's one of those situations where I, I'm going to be annoyed because he's going to, it's going to, it's going to, the light switch is going to come on this year. I feel like I'm at like, you know, an intervention, like trying to like, yep. I, I, I was drinking too much Kool-Aid on the Chris Livingston stock. It's my name's Tyler Rucker. I believe I feel like the Kentucky syndrome that always comes back to haunt me when it comes to evaluating prospects is hitting with one of my favorite prospects going into Kentucky. So I'm getting just kind of, you know, shot with a shotgun right now, but I still believe it's the light switch is going to come on at some point of the year. I just right now, it's not there for me. He he was the last name on my list. Um, it hurts. It's, it's tough. I it, he he's trying too hard. He's yeah. in his own head. 
Um, the kind of smoothness and freedom that he played with at Oak Hill, not there right now. Um, when he, you know, he, he's trying to help with his rotations on defense and it's over helping where he'll be two, three, four feet into the lane when he just needs to kind of be showing and then just gives up a wide open corner three. Uh, the shot is all over the place and it looks like he's in his own head about it where it's, yeah, it's not falling. I, I got to get this to go. I got to get this to go. And he's losing confidence kind of similar to Kaluma. It just feels like he needs to take a step back, take a deep breath and just let the game come to him. Um, and he's just making it a lot more complicated than it needs to be right now. Yeah. Com- completely agree with you. I, I don't want to dwell on it too long because I still really, really like him as a player. I just think mm-hmm. that's the, that's the ones we're talking about. Not everyone hits the ground running and Livingston, I thought he was going to be a heck of a, a prospect this year. He still very much could be, but right now it just looks like the confidence isn't there. All right. Um, well, that was the last name on my list. Uh, who was the last name on yours? Wait, did I have three? You have done three. You had Asar, uh, Taryn, and Livingston. Oh, I thought you wanted to do four each. Okay. Yeah, um, well, you, 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 t- you took my fourth. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so you want my you want the last name yeah, on my negative I, list I, or I, positive? I, I, I what whatever you want. Gosh. Um, Trevon Brazil. Mm. What are your thoughts? We haven't talked about him. I'm getting very intrigued. Very intrigued. Yeah, he is. And I don't know if it's the idea or if I'm just like someone's going to steal him and a playoff team's going to steal him. I think that's why I watch him and I'm like, some playoff team is going to add this in the rotation. This is going to be very fun. Tell me why he's not Jackson Hayes or Kai Jones. Oh, I think he's more, I think he's more uh, polished than Jackson Hayes. Well, yeah. And he's a sophomore and, you know, Hayes was a freshman, but. Yeah. But Hayes, I also feel like was a YouTube monster feeding the machine we all did this his name is jackson hayes we all did that it's basically the the scene from fight club we're all standing around at jackson hayes highlight tape and it's in the center of the table and we're all repeating his name is jackson hayes i think brazil just gives that idea of like the length the the defensive upside and the outside shooting kind of grooming all together where it's like okay he could be a little nasty and space the floor and um, I don't think he's going to be like heavy starter minutes, but I think he could be a very, very nice addition. Like maybe, maybe Bobby Portis vibes. Hmm. Yeah. I'm really I, proud I, I, that I compared someone to Bobby Portis. <laughs> very, very proud. I mean, it is, you know, come on folks. It's, a, it's November 30th. I'm throwing out Bobby Portis comparisons on one. <laughs> Go ahead. Obviously you're not, you're not in there yet. Okay. I, I'm excited. I, I, I'm intrigued. I have them like early, mid, second round. Range. That's where I have them. Like, like That's where I have them. Yes. yes. Um, so I, I'm, I'm intrigued. I, the, the athleticism, I, it, it's freakish. It is what it is. Um, the spot up shooting, you know, I think he's a good shooter. Um, I think the defense is really hit or miss. Where yes, when things are really clicking with him. He looks awesome and he's a really good rim protector. Um, the athleticism, you know, allows him to defend a little bit on the perimeter. I, I'm not sure the processing and the recognition of stuff is always there. And the discipline is always there. Uh, I thought the crane game, his defense was pretty bad. Um, I thought he was chasing stuff out of position a lot. Um, not rotating, missing rotations, um, you know, over pressing in the, in the post and giving up easy layups, uh, reading screens wrong. So maybe may, that may have just been an adrenaline thing. Cause that was an awesome game to watch. Um, but I, I'm, I'm not quite there where it's like, okay, this guy is a, for sure NBA player. The, the tools are fascinating there. There is so much to like there and, you know, just the competitiveness and, you know, the confidence that he plays with, you know, it, it, it's what you want from your guys. I, I'm, I'm just going to, he, he's going to have to show me a lot more consistency on the defensive end for me to be fully, fully in. No, yeah, I, I'm right there. With, I, I'm just saying this is a guy I moved up a ton because I, 
had him very, very low. And now I'm in that range of like, okay, this might mm-hmm. be a early second round guy. And that's a big jump right now. So I I'm right there with you. I need to see more consistency with a lot of these guys because anyone can get on a little heater of a stretch. You, you need to be able to, and then you, when you do do that team starts scouting you to prevent you from, you know, being the guy that drops 18 and is the reason why they lost the game because you had a out of body experience. And I'm not saying Brazil can't play like that, but mm-hmm. now you get more attention. You get more, focus from assistant coaches trying to stop you. And um, that's why I want to, I want to see more, but right now he's got my attention as a potential second round guy that could offer some upside Um, because I just like the tools. The athleticism, like you said, is there and and defensively he, I think if he could prove that he can become a defensive asset, that would spark his stock a lot because Mm -hmm. like you said, when you have that skill set, you have to be consistent. You can't have those wild games where it's like, oh, you were a liability. You got to be able to and, tone it. And and he loves the highlight, which yeah. means he's chasing blocks all the time. Yeah. Which when, when it works, it's like, oh, fuck, that shot ended up in the upper deck. When it doesn't, guys are getting tip dunks left and right. I agree. 100%. All right. Well. Rucker, this is a blast, but it, it is time for America's favorite segment. It's been a long time. I forgot to prep you on this, but yeah, what, 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 now I'm gonna now I'm gonna throw a curve at you. Did you have anybody that we didn't mention that you, honorable mentions? You know I like the honorable mentions. Oh, I made you like do. you do. Um, yeah. See, I'm throwing, I, I, throwing you curveballs now. Uh, Ricky Council. I had Ricky Council too. Uh, he's up to 31 for me. Um, what he's showing off the bounce, the scoring, the at room finishing, um, the mid range shooting. It's he's looked incredible this yes. season. Yes. I had him on my list too. Um, Jordan Hawkins. Yeah, he's fun. I love him. I mean, I, I threw him as like an honorable mention, even though I I still had a first round grade on him in the beginning of the year, but now I'm starting to be like, okay, do I need to be having a serious conversation with myself about even trying to move him up a little bit more? I just think you have him first round. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I had him there, Metcalf. Been on that island. Built a really nice property on the water on that island. I I uh I just think that there's there's some serious uh tools with his movement shooting um and i I have a first rounder but that's what i'm saying like a a team that needs a spark off the rotation if you could get jordan hawkins into the mix you'd get a guy that could really light it up in a hurry so i just like his game a lot that's one i want to keep watching and then my only other guy i'm moving up a lot is uh well I have to give a shout out to Maxwell because Maxwell Lewis is really getting me excited to to dive into that film. Omar Ballo, Arizona. That's that's my wild card. Dude, the dude is he gonna he gonna get him a contract. He keeps <laughs> playing like this. Someone's gonna put him on the bench. I, I'm telling you, he's look great. So uh yeah, I, I the, my my only other one was um Adama Sinogo for UConn. Yeah. Ooh. This dude's just hitting pick and pop threes left and right now. Um, and like spinning to avoid rotating defenders out of the short roll. Uh, his footwork, his mobility, the offensive stuff. It's like, what the fuck were you eating over the summer? Because this is new. Um, God, I've been swearing left and right. Yeah, time, so. I know. I mean, come on, we're going to get banned. <laughs> All um, sorts of riled up. That's what the explicit text for. Yeah, exactly. You have anybody else or do you have any moving down mentions? Um. Alex Fudge, it hurts. No, wow, you um, give it up. I haven't dove back into this film after after we well, had the watch. The, we went uh, to Defcon Four. It's no. bad. Um, Don't tell no me no this. one no one loves a massive miss dunk more than Alex Fudge. No, um, don't tell me this. Yeah, it, yeah, it's not what I want. Um, Nolan Hickman, that sucks too. He just. I, I don't know what that Gonzaga team is doing. I'm still a couple games behind, so maybe things have changed. But the, those are probably the two other big ones for me. Yeah, I still, 
I got one I'm not ready to say, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pocket it. I need to watch more film before I'm ready to throw that. I'm gonna put it on the burner. We're well, gonna I'll, wait I'll to confront you off air on that. Yeah. Um and then Dylan Mitchell, I still don't know. I still don't know. Yeah, it it's been a bit of a drop for me as well on him. But I still don't know. But okay. It Hit is. me. Green room? No, no. Whoa. Even 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 longer. What's the best thing in basketball you watched recently? Wow. <laughs> Oh wow! You really talk about a, a flashback from season one. Um, the best thing I've watched in basketball lately, besides the Boston Celtics, man, they are whacking right now. Um, Can't relate. I'm sorry about your T Wolves. The funniest thing is, I know the T Wolves are going to go on a run right now with Towns out, and I'm going to be like, <laughs> "What are we doing?" <laughs> What are we doing? I feel like I'm going to text you every day, like a trade machine link with <laughs> towns and just be like, so what do we, would they do this? Um, man, best thing I've seen in basketball. Oh man. I wish I knew this answer. I would have, I would have just used the overtime elite games, but I don't want to well, do that. You they, start they, off. You start there, was off. Someone, there was someone in that overtime elite game that you were oh texting. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. Sorry. Thank you for the reminder. Oh my gosh, that was, <laughs> I, I have never laughed so hard. I, I, okay, so like for anyone that ever, if you get to the chance to meet me in, in public or see me at a game scouting, I usually just am emotionless because I'm just locked in. I'm like, all right, I, I don't really want to talk to anyone when the game's going on. I want to just focus and I'm trying to watch 300 things. Some people give like fist pumps, some people clap, some people like nod their head. I'm just literally just like a zombie. Ja'Kai Howard <laughs> in the game I watched. It was like Vince Carter at the Oakland Coliseum, the dunk contest. I mean, he was his, I think, he, so he subs in. He comes in off the bench. He subs in. I think the first play he's in, they get a steal and throw it ahead to him. And he does like a windmill, like one foot in front of the free throw line. And he, it looked like he jumped off the trampoline. I mean, I was just like, oh my goodness. And then there's like, I want to say like three possessions later, there's another one they throw it ahead. He just throws down another windmill. And it is a very angry, powerful windmill. Like the ball spiking off the ground. I was like, oh my gosh, dude. Like, And then later, I think the next quarter he comes in and someone throws up a shot and he literally just goes for a tip dunk and like catches it at the top. Everyone's seen it. It went viral. He catches it at the top throws down i swear i thought his head was above the backboard and he dunks on his own teammate and then he picks up his teammate which was hilarious he was just dunking everything in the world i mean all they do is throw an oop to, uh, to him and he would just jump over everyone then i was just like and he also metcalf you'll he defends his ass off he is nasty so i really like to shot too and warm-ups and if that can click around consistently i mean jakai howard's gonna be a, a nightmare i mean it was you know that gerald green oop when he threw down uh windmill and uh, when he was with the nets yeah i mean it was like that when he watched it just because it was so quick and just like angry and i was like oh my gosh so yeah jakai howard putting on the dunk contest in the middle of a game was probably the and i was just laughing like at one point i actually laughed out loud because the whole genie whole gym on the tip dunk was like oh shit like everyone <laughs> at the same time was swearing everyone was like oh my gosh what just happened so um yeah that, that, that was the best thing i saw go ahead metcalf what about you um i'm gonna go with uh I, I talked to you about him before the show but uh jj starling against bowling green oh, um jj notre dame scoring shooting passing i thought his passing and non-ball uh, creation in that game was awesome uh the november 22nd game highly recommend going back to watch it because he looked good he looked very good and that's exactly what you want to see from a guy like that at this point in the season yeah i mean th those are the ones you get excited about because i remember i was i always go through the box scores just to try to keep tallies mm -hmm. on everyone and then all of a sudden i'm going through and i'm like oh notre dame let's see what jj did and i was like hello jj and i was like all right here we go let's see what this let's see what this game's all about so i'm excited to watch that one um i was pumped that you you like started you were really excited to tell me about it i was like oh jj yeah love that so um yeah man i mean i'm i'm 
there's a lot of names we didn't mention tonight. Uh, I'm so very, many. very excited about, very intrigued with guys that, you know, I'm still, still waiting on. Um, but I, I, I think this class is going to be fun. There's, it's just all of a sudden there's going to be like four or five guys clicking and it's just gonna be like, okay, let's now we're rolling because I think we're all waiting, you know, three whitehead, I think, to get going. I'm thinking he's still getting into some game shape. We're waiting mm-hmm. for Whitmore to hopefully make his appearance. Please, please. Very much waiting for that. Nick Smith. I'm waiting for him to, to get some more minutes and a lot of guys. So, well, Rucker plug away. Tell the people where they can find you. Um, I'm at no sailings I just published a piece this morning about one of my favorite guys so far in this class on Colby Jones of Xavier. So go check that out. Um, now that the scouting trips have slowed down a little bit, um, still got some planned, but I'm going to be writing now. I'm getting back on my stuff. I'll have some YouTube videos going on. So check out our channel. Um, thank you to everyone that gave us a shout out about, you know, No Ceilings being your top five podcast. That's really, very really cool. awesome. It was very cool. Made my day. So Metcalf, um, you know, everyone listening, buckle up. We got another one coming up on Friday that you know, it has the, it starts with the letter M. <laughs> We're going to have some fun. <laughs> Mock draft. <laughs> well, once again, I'm Tyler Metcalf. You can follow me on Twitter at team Metcalf one, one. Uh, you can find all of our work at no ceilings, It's a hundred percent free. Just click that subscribe button to make sure that you never miss anything that gets published. You can follow us across all socials at no ceilings, NBA and on YouTube at no ceilings tv if you enjoyed this episode please make sure to subscribe leave a review and five star rating till next time see ya yo trey kevin what's up man you know i've been thinking what would have happened if the nba never vetoes the chris paul trade to the lakers and we get cp3 in the same backcourt as kobe in la well you get a very happy jack nicholson for sure and the lakers probably win a bunch more championships cp3 finally gets a ring or two or three and the kardashian empire is forever altered what did you just say hey everybody i'm trey wingo and i'm kevin frazier and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from wondery alternate routes as former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus